Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice. With me, as always, my good buddy, David Hudson. David, how are you today, sir? I couldn't be better, Ian. How about yourself? Oh, it's a delightful day over here at the New York branch of the podcast. It's beautiful here. 70 degrees, no humidity, not a cloud in the sky. All right, don't rub it in. It's like, you know, 40 here or something like that. Uh, it's getting cold. I know. You got all jealous of that sunrise I sent you on uh, Thanksgiving. Well, I, that was just because, it, uh, you know, there wasn't uh, traffic congestion or, you know, anything else around. It looked very serene and peaceful. Got up went for a long walk that morning. Before this, Did about four miles before the sun came up. Nice. Walking back towards my house in our neighborhood. And I was like, that's a nice sunset. Yes. Some people would say that... Uh, Sunrise and sunset photos are dime a dozen, but that was a very nice one. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Uh, I was a little under the weather, so I kind of stayed home. Didn't do much. A little low-key. How about you? Did your wife at least bring you some food back? Yes. Okay. She's a good egg like that. Man, I ate way, 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 way too much. Isn't that the point? It is, but it was it was gluttony. There's no way around it. <laughs> I was talking to somebody at work the other day. One of the uh, vendors that comes in, and they were all proud because they remembered to wear elastic waist pants, <laughs> so they could oh, you gotta, you, for all the food they're finding in. You got to wear stretchy pants, man. I don't know. Apparently, this is a rule of thumb I wasn't aware of. Stretchy pants, and then get on the couch and watch football, and then head off into a trip to Fancoma from the turkey. I was just going to bring that up. Is that genuine? Because yeah, you know, yeah. I always heard that, and then some people said, "Oh, there's not enough." No, really tryptophan to- is a precursor of serotonin, which oh, okay, is nice. a neurotransmitter that a lot of antidepressants work on. Yeah. You want me to get the chalkboard out, Ian, and draw it out for you? No, no. I just knew that you would actually have knowledge on it as opposed to the, you know, uh, internet minions. You know, some people speak without uh, having uh, the knowledge to back it up. (laughs) No, it's legit. It really will knock you out. So uh, things have gone a little quiet in the the Crows universe lately, but uh, one little piece of information that came out, they did announce two more Vegas shows at the beginning of next year. Well, you got to think the first two did well if they're going to do it again. Yeah, which is a good thing. It was called twice as hard. Some people were wondering if perhaps it wasn't the Shake Your Money Maker setup, but I think it's called twice as hard because it's their second go round at the Vegas venue. As Jerry Seinfeld would say, who are the ad wizards that came up with this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's cool. Uh, the people that we know that went had a really good time. Yeah, and it seems like some people are going to be heading back. I mean, I, I look, is it the most like ideal thing, the, the thing you'd be dreaming for? Perhaps not, but uh, I don't know. I enjoyed myself when I went to the show. I had a really good time. I know a lot of longtime Crows people that did, and you know, I have a hard time with people telling me that I'm not a real fan because I enjoyed myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've caught some flat recently on social media about how we have approached the tour and that's fine it doesn't bother me at all i don't take it personal but there's a time when i would have when i would have poo-pooed on this tour and not gone but we've been a long time without seeing these songs played live and a long time without seeing chris and rich together ultimately we all love those songs and so this is the version we get 
I can either choose to be positive about it and go and have a good time or not go. It's anybody's prerogative to go or not go. I had a blast. Most people, 90%, 95% of the people I know that went had a great time. Hopefully this leads to new music. Hopefully this leads to some type of Southern Harmony tour and it's in theaters. You know, that would be greater. Ideally, I'd like to see them do like a four or five night residency. Do Moneymaker through band all the way through on different nights. Yeah. My Morning Jacket did that a couple of years ago. It was really successful. I would really like to see that. I mean, that's as you know, that's one that make me get on the airplane to fly somewhere to see that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I mean, you're entirely right too. Uh, you know, this this program has always been about the positive side of all things Black Crows, and we try to keep it that way. And if David or myself had gotten, you know, not good vibes about it, or we weren't on board with it, or didn't think it was worth giving a shot, then you know, we would have presented things differently. But we're presenting it from our own angle and and presenting genuine opinions about people's experiences on this tour. And I think that that's uh, very valid. And I think people that enjoyed it, their opinion is just as valid as those who didn't, uh, you know, longtime fan, new fan, whatever it be. Yeah. To each his own. It's why they make chocolate vanilla ice cream. And yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't bother me if people are upset with us, how we covered it. It, it really doesn't. I don't get mad about any of that kind of stuff. So people are welcome to their opinion. So out of curiosity, uh, cause I didn't see the criticism of our coverage. What did that entail? It, it was a direct message on Twitter. I don't even, but the, the guy and I, he's, he's very complimentary to the podcast and he and I've gone back and forth on Twitter numerous times and he sent me a bunch of stuff. I think he may have been drunk or high. Yeah. I'd be honest with you. Any, uh, message I've ever gotten in a negative has always been followed up either later on or, or the next day with, Hey, I'm sorry about that. I was a little uh, drunk. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother me at all. We're, we're big boys and it doesn't mean we think bad of you or anything. It just means you have a different opinion than us. The fact that people get so passionate about this band means that it truly meant something to somebody at some point or truly yeah. still does mean something to somebody. And that's the thing that we're trying to focus on and celebrate, really. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of negative if you want to look for it. There's also a whole lot more positive. Right. I mean, you know, if you think back to when we started this, when there was nothing happening and it didn't seem like anything would be happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we started this from a, you know, let's look back on everything in a positive manner. And then we have this new incarnation present. And why not approach that with a positive mindset? These guys, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent in all their behavior over the years have given us some great music and given us all some great memories and have built up stock with me to the point where I will give anything that they put out at least a fair shot before I just shoot it down. Exactly. And it was fun, man. It was, it was a fun show. Our our buddy Sven's back in the band. I mean, come on. Um, yeah, I think that if that doesn't make you happy, something's wrong with you. I did like seeing the black. I don't want it to stay this way, but I did like seeing the Black Crows be a quote unquote just loud rock and roll band again. Yeah, it uh, it was reminiscent in mindset to like when By Your Side came out. That's what they try to do. But ultimately, to me, honestly, this attempt at that is, was much more successful and much more genuine. It was, and, and the show was bigger, and not that that matters. That that kind of stuff never really gets me going one way or the other. But it just sounded so good, and it was so big. It was such a big sound. You know, you get to hear Isaiah's take on this stuff. I think Joel Robineau was a real, real pleasant surprise for everybody. Uh, not only in his playing, but his enthusiasm. He added a lot to the show. You know, I I, I just, uh, I keep going back to, it was just a loud, fun rock show. 
And man, we've been cooped up for a year and a half and haven't been able to go to shows. And it was very, very cathartic to me. I remember I didn't have anywhere near the best seats at the show I went to and the lights went down and, you know, Shake Your Money Maker started playing. And I'm like, we're about to get those big opening chords to twice as hard. And it just shook the shook the place. And you mentioned the players like Joel Robin. Like if they put the band back together with every member you wanted, but that keyboard chair was still empty and they put Joel Robin on it, I'd be perfectly fine with that. The guy has a lot of enthusiasm. He has looks like he has a lot of reverence for the material. He's got a lot of soul. And, you know, not for nothing, like our buddy Mark Ford just shared the stage with Isaiah Mitchell. So clearly, you know, these guys appreciate each other as musicians and, and can all get with the program. And I think that's a great thing. That was a very cool video yeah um and and isaiah mitchell got more comfortable with the material as the tour went on i think his handling of it got better as the tour went on so i mean he you know you also got to think like he's never been on a tour of that magnitude before and and here he's being asked to step in behind i know jeff cease played on shake your money maker but most of us are familiar with those songs being played live with mark ford uh, and luther dickinson i mean I would not want to come behind Mark Ford and Luther Dickinson <laughs> when it comes no. to playing guitar ever. Two totally different styles, but two very, very soulful, tasteful players. And two players with a very distinctive voice, you know, and, and that's hard. And I give Isaiah Mitchell a lot of credit for trying to step up and, and, and fill that fill that gap, you know? Exactly. But, you know, honestly, the amount of money you would have to even attempt to throw it more forward to get him to rejoin the black crows would be ridiculous. And would you, you know, people comment a lot about how this tour was just for money. Well, if Mark was there, it would be for the money. Yeah. Because at this point in time, I'm not saying, you know, cause people change and, and relationships mend as we saw with the magpie salute. But at this point in time, I, I do not for a second think that Mark Ford would be interested in playing in the black crows. Sure. Doesn't sound that way. No, and I mean, I can't 100% speak for him because I'm not him, but like that's the impression that I get. So this is the Black Crows band as it is right now, and let's just enjoy it. And let's, let's, let's not circle back, but let's, let's go to one thing that I thought was very important. I've never heard Chris sound that good at any show that I've seen. His, his voice held up the whole tour. You know, and I, I guess maybe it's because the shows aren't nearly as long. I don't think that material is as challenging vocally as some other stuff is. It's not playing sometimes salvation every night or there's a bunch of them, uh, you know, that he really has to, to really go hard on gone. Yeah. I thought he sounded amazing and to be his age and, and to sound like that. And the CRB totally preserved his voice. There's, you're not going to convince me otherwise. And then we got to see Rich playing. Rich looked like he was having a good time. He was smiling. He seemed to be having fun. And, you know, ultimately, yes, this is technically a job for these guys, but I've come to believe I think the reunion between the two of them is very genuine. This time around, I would would 100% agree, yes. That's not based on any inside information or anything. That You know, you can't fake that for that long if it wasn't genuine. Exactly. And, you know, but again, it just speaks to the importance of the band because if you think about it any band that has any kind of longevity like there's uh kiss people that uh, and that, that whole fan base they're so divided you know as a different version the original version or the one with vinnie vincent or 
the late 80s or the 90s or this or that. You know, and, and any band that's been around a while has those, that kind of mixed opinions over a long run like that. So uh, to me, that makes the Black Crows just as important as all those longtime classic rock bands. They've kind of cemented themselves in that same category, and, and that's wonderful. Yeah, and, and on the strength of that first album, they could tour those big places. A lot of people were worried about ticket sales. I, it looks like to me they did it just fine. You know, listen, at the end of the day, we're going to be here and we're going to keep covering the band and doing cool things and talking to cool people, uh, you know, both involved with the band and, and some cool fans, too. And we're going to keep doing our thing. And, and anybody else is obliged to do anything that they feel is, is the right thing. And, you know, if you want to stick to the uh, the error that you like, and that's that's totally great. And we'll be covering things on those errors, sure. So try to make it something for everybody here. I will tell you one complaint I had about the tour. What's that? The Dead Gum set list just kept shrinking. I mean, it got yeah. down to like 15 songs, 15 or 16 yeah. songs. I think opening night was like 22, 23. And you remember when I tried to predict this opening night set list, man, I, I hit on it. But then like Hotel Illness just disappears. Yeah. Another negative before I get, get back on the positive. I don't like It's Only Rock and Roll, but I like it. I don't like that there was just a few different, like they ro- basically rotated like what Rock and Roll by Velvet Underground Hey, hey, what can I do? And it's only rock and roll. Um, they had the special night for Charlie Watts. They had Torn and Frayed. They had one night where they did Oh Sweet Nothing. I wish they'd have been a little more creative in that department. I get it why they did those songs, because this is, quote unquote, a big, loud rock show. But um, I would like to have seen, you know, some other things, you know, big time thrown in there every now and then, or Torn and Frayed once or twice more. Can't you hear me knocking? I just think uh, they should have varied that up a little bit obviously we'd all like to see the set list varied up but i don't think anybody thought that was going to happen on this tour i think in the future it will because the, the you know the summer shed tour you can't you can't continue to tour on shake your money maker right you're gonna have to do something else and that obviously i think that out sold over five million albums or something like that i mean obviously that was the biggest one southern harmony was big but it was a number one album but i think it sold about half of what Moneymaker did so I would like to see them personally, and if the ticket prices are a little higher than they should be, that's fine. Play like a 2,500, 3,000 seat theater and do Southern Harmony all the way through and then get crazy with the encores and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I honestly believe that uh, big and different things are coming down the road. I mean, look, we're kind of spoiled as Black Crows fans because... Uh, they did used to vary the set list every night, but a lot of bands don't do that. Like on the last tour that Van Halen did in 2015, I saw them two nights, and each night was the same set. You know, and a lot of bands have you know rehearse a show, and it's basically the same set, and they rotate out a couple of songs here and there. So I mean, you know, it's it's if they're trying to go for that summer rock tour thing, that's kind of more in line with that. Plus, if you're playing an entire record, you're going to get basically the same thing every night at least for half the half the show well and let's be honest if they played two 90 minute sets like they did 05 06 and played it in that style in the songs they played the average fan's not going to want to go to that i think ultimately this was an attempt to get themselves back out there and maybe recapture some of their older audience that might now if they come around again next summer even if it's you know not doing the shake your money maker thing People say, oh, I saw them. Uh, let me go back and see them again. And maybe just trying to get back, you know, a little bit more of a, of a 
larger fan base. Well, and honestly, we'd like to see them go out on something that was a little bit of a of kind of a, a package. Like, man, I would love to. See, I mean, I know some people are going to love this, some people are going to hate it, but I would love to see them go out on tour with the cult. <laughs> that would be kind of cool, actually. I mean, that would be fun. I'd also like to see them do some type of um, tour like Blackberry Smoke did this summer, where you know they had three fairly decent sized bands, and then the, it, they came out at the end of the night did like a thirty thirty minute jam. I think you definitely could do that with Blackberry Smoke for sure. Without a doubt. You know, I was thinking of too, because we, you know, obviously last week we had on uh, Steve Wright and we did the Smasher Trash, mm-hmm. the new series, and, and a lot of people seem to enjoy the perspective of a, you know, quote unquote outsider. And I was thinking about it because a lot of people say, well, by doing this, you know, why do you want to attract those casual fans back? But I mean, think of a case of a guy like Steve Wright, guy's very into music was into the Black Crows, you know, for the Shaky Moneymaker record and kind of lost track of them. But that's a guy that really appreciated it. And when he listened to the later music, he's like, man, I'm sorry that I missed this kind of material. You know, so by performing this material that's familiar to these people and then kind of introducing them to other stuff gradually, that's really attracting even some people that, you know, you would want to be your fans, people that would be loyal to to you, people, real fans of, of music, you know? Yeah, he sent me his Spotify numbers yesterday and the black crows were his third most listened to band of last year that's cool so thank you chris and rich you yes, can thank exactly. me for, you can thank me for that i got you i got you some money on spotify <laughs> you're completely right on that point though how many i mean there's been a lot of bands that i've gone to see and you know not really but like the soundtrack of our lives i saw them open for oasis big fan of them after that i've always liked the cult but man, I saw them open for GNR, and they just blew the roof off the Superdome. They were so good. Do something like that again. I still think the the Blackberry Smoke Black Crows thing is a no brainer. It's a home run. It's a grand slam. Both bands would be genuinely excited about doing that. Oh yeah, maybe throw uh, Tedeschi Trucks in the mix somewhere too. I mean that's a that's a that's a multiple night run for David. Yeah, I would see that many many times. But, you know, it, I mean, it is what it is, and people are going to make of it what they make of it. But, uh, you know, I mean, at this point, they've been around 30 years. They just have to do what they want to do. It's much like, to me, you know, Dead & Company. Those guys take a lot of heat for bringing John Mayer into that fold. And you know what? I give him a lot of credit for that. And John Mayer, say what you will about him, has a lot of reverence for that music and is a stellar guitar player. Um, you know, I don't care for his singing as much, and some of his materials a little on the soft side. But he also has a lot of good material. That Ian, you know, do you know? Maybe, do you know? Do you know what your body is? It's a it's a damn wonderland, David. It's a wonderland. And you know it. It's a wonderland. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like you know, I don't necessarily like his material, and I like him as a guitar player. And I think he really treats that Dead catalog with a lot of love. Very, that, very much so. I my wife happens to like John Mayer, so I've seen him on tour a couple of times. And a one tour I saw, he you know made reference to a guy in the crowd that had been at every Dead and Company show, and then had subsequently gone to every solo John Mayer show just to show his support. And he was thanked that guy, and he said how much he loved playing with the Dead. And so I mean you know, the point being is, people are going to say what they're going to say. You just got to do what you want to do and and be happy. We got to find out what that guy does for a living. Yeah, I mean that's like our buddy Rex, man. He's Flying all over the country, seeing like 15, 16 crow shows this summer. VIPs yeah. left and right. Ran into Rich at like Starbucks in Vegas. Yeah, and he recognized them too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and that, there you go. You talk about Rex, man. That's a that's a that's a Black Crows fan. You know, that guy's super excited and went to all these shows and had a good time and really kind of waved the flag of uh, Black Crows uh, fandom. I feel like he knows people everywhere. When I saw him, he was like, man, I got extra seats here down, down low, but I'd already told some people that wanted to, to meet me where we were going to be, you know? So I said, you know, I appreciate that, but you know, I, I need to sit up here where, cause I've told some people, you know, to come by and see me, but yeah, he, he's very enthusiastic. I mean, Steve Gleason went to two shows. I mean, he's, he's now been to 152. Our friend Mo Young, she flew all over the country to see him. And you know, other, the, I think the, the Bogers, at least Kevin went to several shows. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, listen, I'm okay with everything that's going on, and uh, you know, I'm okay with what we're doing here too, which uh, brings me to what we are actually doing here today, mm-hmm. which is this is uh, finally presenting our 2021 tour wrap up. <laughs>
So, David, overall, I was going through some of the numbers. And, you know, aside from the Shaky Moneymaker album, because obviously that was played every night, here's some of the top songs that got the most play. I can tell you what they are without even seeing. You want to take a shot at it first? I'm, I'm going to give you five. Then are you giving it to me in most played order or just randomly? Just randomly. Okay. Wiser Time, Thorn in My Pride, Sting Me, and Soul Singing. And uh, Remedy. That's pretty good. Pretty good. You only missed. I, I went with the. I went with six of them. So first place tie was uh, Remedy, Thorn of My Pride, and Wiser Time. They were all played thirty nine times, which seems to be every show. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Speak was uh, thirty one. Sting Me at twenty nine. Soul Singing at seventeen. And uh, surprisingly, it's only Rock and Roll got the uh, last spot in that with sixteen. So even the when they say all the hits, I mean those are for the most part big hits for the band um maybe not no speak no slave as much but that's also that was that was used a lot as the second set opener which kind of works in that slot for me are you surprised that we didn't at least get on regular rotation one more song from lions and by your side since those were more conventional rock albums yeah i would have thought that some of those songs would have showed up a little bit more i could have swore to for the tour started that licking was gonna make an appearance yeah well uh thankfully you were wrong on that one Go Faster and Kicking My Heart Around didn't get played as much as I thought they would. I thought Kicking My Heart Around would have gotten a little more uh, love on the tour, just because that kind of was a high-energy rock song and intended to be so. So, But you talk about you know earlier putting a strain on his voice. That one, I would imagine, does put a strain on his voice. Very yeah. you know shouty kind of vocals. But you, know? you can also pass some of it off on the backup singers. That's true. They could, they could carry some of the weight for you. Yeah. Which, you know, I give him credit. He does not rely on them. Like, no. you go see, like, a lot of these, like, oh, who was I watching the other day? Don't make fun of me. I think it was, like, anyway, it was some pop singer. And she had a live mic and was singing. 
but about half the the hard stuff, she just kind of stepped back and let the backup singers do it. Or uh, Chris also doesn't do the move that a lot of uh, uh, longtime vocalists do now, is where they throw the mic to the crowd and have them sing. But it's really I'm so glad because, he doesn't do that. Yeah, because that's really just to cover the fact that you can't hit whatever note that is. Yeah. Go back and watch some bands that do that, and then think of that part in the song, and it's usually the most straining part of the vocal, you know? Right, right. So on the other end of the spectrum, there were some songs that were only played a, you know, a handful of times, so I went and actually checked. These are all songs that were uh, played just one time uh, throughout the tour. So uh, you want to take uh, – why don't you take a, a shot at some of these? Hotel Illness? Nope. Oh, Sweet Nothing? Yes. Good Morning, Captain? Yes, sir. By Your Side? No, sir. Torn and Frayed? Yes, sir. And then let me get one more. Did I say good morning, Captain? Yes, you did. Lay it all on me. No, surprisingly. All right, what were they? All right, let me run them down. These are just all the songs that were played only one time. Uh, Walk, Believer, Walk, which I had forgotten that that was played, actually. And I'm, that's one of my favorite tunes from Warpaint, to be honest with you. Uh, Torn and Frayed, like you said. She Gave Good Sunflower, again, another highlight for me from Amorica. Uh, oh, Sweet Nothing, which you mentioned. Uh, Looking for a Love, which is a cover that they did with uh, Peter Wolf. Good Morning, Captain, which you mentioned. Good Friday, which um, not only was only played once, was also the sole song played from Three Snakes. Travesty. Yes, exactly. I know I can't even speak on it. How, but. <laughs> all right. I'm completely surprised that Blackberry, Blackberry Nebuchadnezzar fit into the theme of the show. I definitely thought Blackberry would have made it, at least, at least especially in this category, like maybe a one-off. Rounding it out, too, is God's Got It, Cry One More Time, another uh, Jay Giles cover, and Charming Mess, which they played in the, one of the last two uh, House of Blues shows in Vegas. Do they have to send Rod Stewart royalties every time that's played? They might. I, I'm surprised that, you know, maybe that, I guess Rod Stewart doesn't care, but, uh, you know, a lot of times when bands inadvertently do that, the uh, the writer of the original song gets a writing credit on the. Well, I don't know. Chris has said this, and I you know sometimes I can't tell when he's being serious and joking that they that Rod Stewart gave him permission. I mean, it's possible, you know. Rod Stewart to me seems like a relaxed guy. Yeah, well, I mean, and they do love the faces. Oh, uh, absolutely, you know, and I I can firmly believe because I you know you see this happen with other bands a lot, well not a lot but you know here and there, a band will write a song and they've somehow channeled some other song without even realizing it, you know, and I believe that that genuinely happens in writing music. I don't think people necessarily intentionally rip off songs all the time. No, but there's only so many notes and chords. That's true. I mean, it's, it is a finite set of things you're working with there, you know. So as far as albums that were played the most, you know, songs, like which songs came from, obviously, Shake Your Moneymaker was the top. We're just going to, that's heck, the caveat. Heck, here. they played half a Southern Harmony all the time that's true well i mean yeah the album that was played most was uh southern harmony surprisingly this the second place was was covers like the the, the most songs played outside of shaky moneymaker were cover tunes and then the third album would be amorica the most stuff was played off of that because you know you got wiser time every mm-hmm. night but uh and as i mentioned before only one song from three snakes did they not play a conspiracy on this tour not that i recall that's interesting. And not that I saw. Yeah. That's interesting. So, for you, what were some of the coolest moments on this tour? Like everybody else, I thought seeing things went to another level. I thought uh, it was cool seeing Strutton Blues. I thought Joe Robino, especially at the beginning of that on the keyboard, really shined. 
I had a blast seeing, uh, to me, the just that opening, especially that o- the videos of that opening night, twice as hard. Like We had no idea what to expect from the stage or from the crowd or from the band, and Chris just comes out, and you could tell it was turned up to 11. I, I love Twice as Hard. I, I've, I've always defend that song. I think it's a great opener. I think it's a great closer. I got to, When I saw them, I got to see Descending, which I thought was special. I got to see Hey, Hey, What Can I Do, which is the cover that they were doing that I really wanted to see. I thought there was a little bit of a jam on Thorn in My Pride. Got Chris on the harmonica. I thought that was good. And Stare It Cold. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you on Stare It Cold. That was a big, cool moment for me. I think, uh, even though I wasn't present for it, uh, I think Peter Wolf sitting in them was a really cool moment on the tour. Doing I, something about uh, the Black Crows doing Jay Giles songs. Because Jay Giles is such an underrated live band where you know a lot of people know them for uh freeze frame and centerfold those are the big hits for them but if you go back to their early 70s stuff they were a hell of a live band they have an album a live album called full house which is unbelievably good and uh, i thought i thought that was really cool they're one of those bands that other musicians just really love yeah like the band yeah yeah like the band but uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I, uh, another cool moment when Rich finally sang one and he did Oh Sweet Nothing. I thought that was really cool. That was recorded. Yeah. I mean, that was the night that they were recording for a potential release. So that's great. You know, I, that was the one thing on the tour I kind of missed a little bit was uh, Rich handling some vocals. He kind of laid back a lot and just did his background parts, and which is cool. But, you know, I, I always like to have a rich number in there, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think what they could have thrown in there. I mean, unless they did something like What is Home, which just wasn't going to fit with that. I would have liked to have seen them bring back, because they did it uh, definitely in 06, because they did it when I saw them in the, on the 06 tour, uh, The Seeker. I thought Rich really did a nice job with the Who's The Seeker. Yeah, absolutely. But the coolest moment for me, on outside of you know musical things, honestly, was the fact that Sven came back to the fold. Mm-hmm. That, that really put my enthusiasm for seeing the show at, at its peak. You know, I couldn't have been more thrilled for Sven that he was back and, you know, get to uh, see him perform with them. I think that I think that made everybody happy. Yeah, I I really did. He got a big hand every night. People recognize what he brings to the band with both his singing and his playing. He's always the coolest guy on stage. He is. And he's one of the coolest guys uh, in life, in my opinion. I mean, our you know, we've had quite a few interactions with him, you know. Uh, large and small scale and things and he is a class act and he is a generous guy and he's a warm guy and i always want nothing but the best for sven pippian oh yeah me too me too i'm just, i'm so happy for him when you know it popped up in rolling on rolling stone that morning that that he was in the band and i hope it's a permanent thing and also on this tour this is just a personal thing for me but a little shout out to uh my buddy nico who i did have the pleasure of uh meeting in person at the show I went to and he sat and watched, wa- he sat and watched dirty honey with you man come on yeah gave me a big old hug too made me feel very uh important for a couple of seconds there you know <laughs> yeah he's a great guy he's a great guy and um hopefully we hear more from him yeah um you know we were uh, uh to be honest with you uh we were trying to uh, have Nico join us and give uh, for this uh wrap up and um Give his take on, because he went to several shows on that tour. He kind of traveled with the band a little bit because he still remains friendly with Rich, as he mentioned uh, when we spoke with him on the program. But just by virtue of the fact when he got back to uh, South America, he became very busy after a period of uh, 
being dormant and he had a lot of projects all of a sudden happening at once. So he, we just couldn't make it work out, but, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to him down the road. Yeah. He knows he's always welcome, but, uh, I think ultimately, you know, all said and done, I think the tour achieved what it set out to achieve. And in my opinion is laying the groundwork for much cooler and more crows like things to come in the future. Um, yeah. I mean, they got that brothers of a feather show in Florida booked for next month. They've got the two nights in Vegas. We know next fall they're going to Europe. Next summer's open, spring's open, and those guys are road dogs. They don't mind hitting the road, and they got they were pent up for a long time. So, I mean, this tour was what thirty nine shows. Man, that's nothing to them. <laughs> no, I mean for road dogs like that, this is a uh, you know walk in the park. But you know what? Like given their past experiences and what a lot of people say about either having been on those tours or in hindsight. You know, maybe it's good they just put in like, you know, 39 and out for a little bit because it seems like things started to get a little hairy for them when they would just keep plowing along on the road and not really give themselves a proper break, you know? Yeah, hopefully they learn from that. Yeah. So I, I, I'm very excited about what's to come. How about you? I am. I am. I want new music, though. Yes. I mean, the fact that they've been doing stuff with George Draculius, I think, is cool because George Draculius uh, is a great producer. And, you know, obviously produced a lot of people's favorite record, your favorite record, Southern Harmony. Mm-hmm. So it will be something cool when that finally comes around. And I'm willing to wait as long as it's coming. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it will. I think it will. So, you know, that pretty much sums up the tour. Do you have anything else to add? I do want to add this. We recorded a couple of Road Report episodes with people that we haven't aired. And to be honest with you, we overbooked it. We should have seen that coming. And so to those people that we recorded an episode with, First of all, we apologize that they aren't coming out, but send me an, a message on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Remind me that we record an episode with you and we're going to find a way to work you in on an episode. Yes, definitely. And I have um, on my end, some of the people that I did things with that uh, we didn't get to release them. I did reach out to those people, make contact and try to uh, set up something with them in the future. So yes, we will be... Uh, having some of you folks on because uh, it was quite a pleasure to talk with you. And I think uh, you would have a lot to add to this program in another capacity. Yeah. And my apologies. That was my fault. Uh, mine as well. Uh, sometimes these, uh, I was trying to, are... I was trying to, I was trying to take the blame, Ian. I know you were David, but this is a partnership here and we have to uh, stick together. Okay. That's what I call buddy stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, before we go, we've had a fun giveaway pertaining to this tour. That we've had kind of sitting on ice waiting for the for the moment when we would do this kind of wrap-up episode. And I'd just like to mention that a large part of this giveaway wouldn't be possible without a contribution from our friend Sean Hillman. Thank you, Sean. There's going to be one grand prize and uh, five runner-up prizes. The runner-up prizes are a copy of Shake Your Moneymaker on vinyl, the uh, anniversary reissue that came out. Uh, along with some uh, State of America goodies thrown in there. Swag, Ian, swag. S- swag, of course. Yes, I'm sorry. I don't know the terms properly. but uh, So there's going to be five winners of that. And then the grand prize is the Shake Your Moneymaker box set on vinyl that came out. Uh, also a copy of the limited record store day Jealous Again 12-inch single on vinyl. And some very cool stuff from the uh, VIP tour packages because uh, I happened to get two of those when I went, so I'd like to share those with you, which include assigned playing cards, uh, you know, some dice, a uh, flask, all kinds of stuff, and some State of America swag. It's going to be a big box coming your way full of stuff, but the main focus, of course, 
is that uh, multiple LP box set Shake Your Money Maker Anniversary Edition. So you're doing it, Willy, we, you're doing it Willy Wonka style. Yes, we're gonna uh, you know take entries and pick six winners. And the fun part of this is it's not going to be known who gets the old uh, grand prize, and that we're gonna mail them out. And uh, you'll find out when it arrives at your door if uh, you got the golden ticket or not, so to speak. All right, so that's the prize. I hope you're all excited about that, and uh, David's going to tell you how to uh, get yourself a chance to win that prize. All right, so what we're going to do is, this is across all social media formats, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's up to you. To be eligible, you need to screenshot either with your phone or take a picture of you listening on your car stereo or on your computer. Post it that you're enjoying listening. It has to be this episode. It has to be the tour wrap-up. You enjoy listening to the tour wrap-up. And you need to tag us and the Black Crows, their official accounts. If you don't tag both of us, you're not eligible for the prize. And what we're going to do is we're randomly going to select people to win those. And one of them is going to get the box set. Yep, that's right. And we will be taking entries across all social media. Probably, the, we, know, we probably need to say this is to only people that are, live in the States. Yes, we do have to limit this one because of the size and bulk of the uh, of the one prize. We do have to limit this to uh, U.S. only this time around. Sorry, guys. I know there's a lot of uh, international fans out there, and we will be doing something special specifically for you uh, in the very near future. But uh, So this is our to our U.S. listeners only at this time around, and good luck to everybody. We will start taking entries uh, as soon as this episode is up and running, and the winner will be picked on December 31st. New Year's Eve of this year. That will be when uh, all entries cease at uh, 11.59 p.m. right at the end of the day. And we will announce the winner shortly thereafter. Other than that, um, I know we have at least two more episodes coming out this year. That's right. And uh, we have also some very cool stuff to look forward to after that. Uh, Some more giveaways, some more cool guests, some more cool episodes. And we are going to round out the year with something we're very excited about. And that is our Black Crows trivia episode. Isn't that right, David? That's right. We're recording that uh, two days from now. And we got a couple of heavyweights in there going to swing it out. By the way, they know now. Both of them know who it is. So it's going to be Jeff Morton versus Steve Gleason. All right. That's going to be awesome. I'm very much looking forward to that. Since it's a game trivia show, game show, if I'm Pat Sajak, that means you're Vanna White. Well, I mean, if it was, uh, you know, if we were going to have to choose between those roles, that's how I'd see it. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. (laughs) All right, so I was thinking, because both of us mentioned that Stare at Cold was a particular highlight, let's uh, let's close out the episode with a live version of Stare at Cold from this tour. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody. Good luck with your entries in the contest, and we'll see you soon. Stay tall, everybody. It's a rock and roll gospel song. Wanna count my day? Look at 
she want to count my days. Huh. Knocking on her mama, you 